everyone, and welcome back to Get Ready to Crumble. So, I know I just made episode two uh, last night. Well, technically I recorded that two days ago, but um, I published it last night. So, as most of you know that have been on um, our Instagram at Get Ready to Crumble, if you haven't decided to follow it, which is weird because most people that have listened to this are currently following our Instagram, but I would just like to say thank you for almost a hundred streams at this point. Well, a hundred downloads, that's what they call it. Um, I would just like to say thank you so, so much. It hasn't even been, it, it hasn't even been a week yet, and I, I would just like to say thank you, like, lots of love to everyone who listens, whether they tell me that they're going to tune in or not, it's just, wow, <laughs> um, our uh, program we use um, even shows us a map of where people are listening from, and we have people from Scotland and Belgium that listen to this, and I don't know anyone from there, but, like, I wasn't expecting people out of the States to listen to this. Um, wow. Then we have some people from California, Florida, North Carolina, Kansas. I mean, obviously people from New Hampshire, Boston, and Missouri, because those are people I know. And then we have some... We have someone from New Jersey. I don't know anyone from New Jersey. If I'm being honest, I have no clue about anyone that lives in New Jersey. But there's a couple New York people. I know one of them. Definitely, hands down, gotta be Cadence. Uh, I love her. She's my, she's my bitch. I met her uh, through my first ex, Da Vinci. Um... <laughs> But that's not what we're here for tonight, May 7th of uh, 2022. Today, um, I'm here to make a special podcast on the story of the beautiful Molly Bazel. Molly, six years ago, passed away from just absolute tragedy. Um, she passed away from a brain tumor that wasn't taken care of in time and it erupted and she went brain dead. She, there was no signs of her waking up. As much as everyone wanted her to wake up, she just, there was no way. No, no way. Well, there probably could be a way if this happened probably 30 years into the future. Um, you know, probably advanced technology or something. But, obviously, no one saw this coming. At all. So, 
here I'm going to tell you the story of the beautiful Molly Banzoff from my point of view. Molly, um, it all started with Molly and I in our kindergarten class. I forget the teacher's name, um, which honestly I don't think anyone listening to this would blame me because that was so fucking long ago. Um, that was years and years ago. That was 13 years ago. Um, so definitely not something I remember. 13, almost 14 years ago. Um, so yeah, kindergarten. Um, it was down at Kimball School, um, Concord, New Hampshire. I, yeah, I have to say Concord, New Hampshire because not everyone is from New Hampshire. <laughs> But that's not a bad thing. I'm glad other people from other states are listening to this. Um, but I'm sitting here recording this in her pink ivory yellow shirt. Um, which I'm blessed to own. Um, it's one of my most prized possessions. Um, goes along with her pink violin. Pink is her color. Um, but yeah. So, Molly and I, I, I was, see, people that know me now would be like, oh, no, you were, you were never shy. Like, because I'm outgoing now. I, I was sh very shy, and you can ask, um, my parents, mainly my mom, because, she has been the one that has stuck my life, like, for my whole life so far. Um, she's probably gonna be the weirdo that takes pictures of me while I'm in labor, some shit with her goofy-ass camera. Um, <laughs> but I was the shy. I was the shy kid. Um, I didn't know how to make friends. Um, so, I... It, you know, I forget which parent it was. I believe it was both of them. But I mainly remember my dad just telling me how to make a friend. And it was basically saying, Hi, my name is Skylar Howard. What is yours? Um, so, we were, I, I just remember this so vividly. And, um, we were sitting on the carpet while our teacher was teaching us something about colors. I remember specifically that day we were learning about the color violet. And we sang a song so that we could remember the color violet. And that was the same day that we had a kid have anger issues and throw a chair across the room. But I sat there, and I looked to her, and I guess it was just, it clicked, and I, you know, I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name is Skylar. What's yours? And so she said, I'm Molly. So we, we became best friends instantly. Um, I think our peak was just first grade, and... We 
we were just two peas in a pod. Um, you know, parents met each other. Um, I still love her family. Literally my second family. Um, but, like, first grade, we were literally sending mail to each other because I was at my grandmother's house all the time. My grandma was like, fuck, uh, I can't do math in my head. But she was not 93. Um, she was definitely younger. She had to be in her, like, late 70s at that time. But I would stay at my grandmother's house while my dad was at work, and... It was on, obviously, when it was my dad's days because my parents are divorced. Um, so, when I was with my grandma, she would watch me for the day. We'd watch TV. It was mad boring for me because I'm a kid. Obviously, I'm rambunctious. I want to do all these things. And I would sit and I'd play with my toys in my room that she gave me, obviously. And obviously she's like an old lady, so um, she had stamps. And so I don't remember how I got her address. I don't, I don't remember. But we were sending letters to each other. Um, she sent me this really beautiful one with, um, I remember it was like orange and red and pink. Um, construction paper cutout hearts. Um, and of course she wrote her little letter on it, and and it was, it was so cute. We just sent mail, and we I wrote about her. We had these like state things where we had to write some. It's like a writing assessment thing. And I wrote specifically on Molly and how he had a tea party in the sky with a rainbow. And since I had a limit on how much to write, I stopped. And now no one knows. Um, no one will ever know. Not even my own self that wrote the damn thing. Um... They'll never know what I was going to write next. Um, but we, oh my gosh. I wish my dad never got rid of my shit when he moved out of his house because that had my Hello Kitty diary. And I wrote about Molly so much in that damn diary. So much. I wrote about us at recess and... Who we didn't like and stuff like that or maybe not people we didn't like because Molly never hated anyone we just didn't like being around them we didn't hate them we just weren't really fond of them we weren't like oh yeah let's hang out with this person um and we started um Hello Kitty Club we loved Hello Kitty obsessed like, literally, would would take a bullet for fucking Hello Kitty. Um, started a Hello Kitty club. 
it was, you know, our thing, and this is something that I'll never forget. Um, this was actually, you know, I was specifically reminded of this, um, at the end of the year, uh, you know, my freshman year of college, um, specifically April 27th, two days before the end of the year. Um, a Canadian who I'm not friends with anymore at all. No, he ditched me, kicked me to the curb. Um, yeah, I'm not going into any more detail because this is about Molly. Um, he brought up starting a business and, you know, I said I was going to start it with my friend and it was something Molly and I came up with when we were in elementary school and it was Sky's Pies and Molly's Pops, a bakery. And I remember when I had this conversation with, uh, the Canadian, um, you know, he, he asked if I was good at baking or anything. I said, yeah, I'm good at baking. Like, I've made cookies from scratch. I've made cakes from scratch. I make the damn cakes and cookies and those little packets that they give you at the grocery store. And I'll make them just fine. I'll frost things by myself. And it'll look just fine. And I used to do a lot of baking with my grandma on my um, mom's side of the family. And he, he told me, he said, well that why don't you start that business with your friend? And that was the same day he got rid of me as a friend. So I, I was, I got a little, I got a little emotional. I got choked up. And, and it was hard to say, well, I can't start with my best friend. Because she's dead. And he froze. He still told me to do it. But I know deep down, as much as my heart wants to, I can't. I know. Do it for her. In memory of her. But, like, my heart would not be able to bring myself to it. I, I can't. It's, it wouldn't be the same as my childhood self would want it to be. We wanted it Sky's Pies and Molly's Pops. Molly would be in charge of the candy. We would make our own candy and make it our brand. And I would do the baking and everything like that. You know, and the, we agreed that sometimes we would have things that, you know, would be collab, but it was a whole collab store in general. We wanted it to be a bakery candy shop, and we were going to have 
Sky's Pies, Molly's Pops, in a giant neon pink sign. And it was going to be all like a fun, colorful store and plenty of cupcakes and everything. Like we were all about it. And it's just like hearing that from someone who didn't go through my grieving or anyone else's grieving through Molly's death. Like, I just, it, it doesn't sit with me. It, I can't. It's like you say it like her death was something so, so simple when there was so much more behind it. But I didn't tell him that because it all, he, he didn't care anyways. Didn't. He was just saying it like, oh, like it's another death. Like, no, no. But, continuing on. Molly and I had, like, a Halloween party and at her house, and I would go to her birthdays. And I remember during the Halloween party, my fucking dad, he wouldn't let me get a real costume, so I had to make my own costume pretend costume and I did a basically build your own witch in Skylar form and I showed up to the costume party and they did fun things like you know get some candy and you know all this fun stuff and I remember Molly and Gracie were in their littlest pet shop um costumes really cute. Um, Molly was the pink bunny. Um, she, she had a pink costume. It had to be like the littlest pet shop pink bunny, but, um, they gave out these like fake little trophies for like funniest costume, best costume, you know, coolest costume, whatever just costume awards, these little plastic trophies, and I was thinking I was going to get one because I was like, wow, mine's like super, super creative, and I didn't get one, and so I started obviously putting the waterworks. I, you know, I was upset that I didn't get anything. And I was upset especially because I thought, you know, maybe if I actually did, like, maybe if I actually, you know, had a real costume instead of some make-your-own-Walmart costume, I would have gotten something. So I was upset. I remember Molly asking me what was wrong, and I said I didn't get a trophy. And she, she said, here, you can have mine. And I kept that up until, um, the day I stopped going to my dad's house. And he got rid of it, obviously, but I kept it. 
over 10 years I kept that thing. Maybe not 10 years, more like eight, but I kept that thing forever, five plus years. And after that, we had like a few great sleepovers. I remember I had one um, where we went to the mall in Manchester, New Hampshire, and um, we uh, did Build-A-Bears. And this was while my mom was deployed, and I remember I, I cried in her mom's lap. Um, bar pigging is her name. Barb and I, she's like my second mom. Um, I remember I stayed mornings at Molly's house so that I could go to school and we could all get dropped off at school. And after those days, we split apart. Um, we just fell apart from each other. We weren't mad at each other. We just grew apart from each other. And this was closer to her death. Um, Molly played character, I think it was named Gloria Rasputin, and I don't know if I butchered that, in her last play, and I don't know if it was Bye Bye Birdie, but if it's, if that's correct, then go me, <laughs> I just remember it was, um, it was a peg performance, and that was our middle school, um, you know, play group. And I, I would go to all of them because my best friend, Brady, uh, would be in them. He was, he was a theater kid at the time. Uh, he's not anymore. <laughs> but he did the plays, and Molly was in them too, so I went. And that night, it was just like a big reconnection. You know, I went and said, hi, Barb and her dad, Kenny, were just excited to see me because they hadn't seen me in so long because we'd grown apart from each other. And Molly and I had this great big long hug. And she thanked me for coming to her show and information I got later was I'm sorry it was really hard I was told later that Um, Molly was in the car, and she had said that 
you know, she thought we were going to be, we were going to become really good friends again in high school, and just, I didn't hear about that until way later after her death, and that just hit me like a goddamn train hearing that. Because I wasn't expecting anything big out of this hug, but it was impactful. And, you know, looking back, I felt the same energy. And not that long later, Molly ends up at Dartmouth. Um, she apparently had, um, <clears throat> um, just migraines on migraines. She definitely showed signs that she was, she had this brain tumor. And so one night she, it was just really bad and she ended up at Concord Hospital. Um, and they were in the emergency room for a very, very long time. And this is where the fucked up part comes in. The doctors thought that Molly faked it. Like, she was faking it. And that, like, they were full of shit. And it's like, I, when I tell this story... It's like, people are like, well, how the fuck, how, how do these doctors think that she's faking it if she's, you know, it's sick and, you know, going in and out of consciousness and she's clearly showing signs that she's not faking this. And they blamed it on puberty because she was 13 when she passed away. And as everyone should know or does know, that's that's the age where puberty usually happens. It's in those middle school ages. And she had just turned 13. Um, her birthday was a month before she ended up in the hospital. Um, and eventually her brain tumor erupted and she was um, airlifted to Dartmouth, Hitchcock, in Lebanon. And they took out the brain tumor just fine. But it was, it was too late. It was one of those situations where it was like it had to be just, you had to have, gotten it out at the right time because when a brain tumor erupts there's all this liquid that that bursts out and it fills your noggin obviously and it damages those cells the longer it's in there and it basically it killed her off so she was there at Dartmouth, and 
So, I heard the news. My mom was like, Molly is in the hospital right now. And all this. So, we decided to get this $90, I think it was actually over $100, Vermont teddy bear that had a pajama onesie on it that had Molly stitched into the, um, the outfit for the bear. Um, um, so we ordered it, and I think we, I don't, I think we ordered it, like, to ship to her hospital room. Either that or we brought it in, but we came there. I don't know if the bear was already there or not, but we got there and you walk in there and there's just so many fucking people in there. And I just, I think it was a great thing to have everyone code like be able to go up there um because honestly it's better than not having people say their last goodbyes to Molly because you know I if I wasn't able to say goodbye to her I wouldn't know how to live for the rest of my life just knowing oh yeah your friend died but she was in the hospital, but she died. And I think that's my favorite thing about Barb and all of them, is that, especially Barb, because she was the one that went through it. You know. Um, you know. It's just, that was the best part, is that she was just, she, she knew that it would be, it'd be great for everyone to visit Molly. And we're there, and there's, there's just a bunch of people that knew Molly in that room. And I... I recognize some of them because they were from there in my grade. Some of them danced with Molly. Um, some of them did theater with Molly. And some of them I recognized because they were Gracie's friends. And they would be there at the costume parties and stuff like that. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, really upset people. Um, there was Taylor Swift playing in the room because we had to act like Molly was still there because she was, there was a heartbeat, there was a pulse. And, you know, ask Barb, but Barb, last time I, I don't know if I'm on crack or something, she would talk about how Molly did, you know, sometimes react to things. Obviously, you know, whatever, but I'm not going to call her crazy because 
there was that little speck of life in Molly left. But not enough. And so lots of upset people. Um, everyone was crying. And being 12 years old at the time, 7th grade, um, I'd never seen, I'd never seen anything like this before. Nothing. So, someone I used to know, walking around, beautiful eyes open, with that same smile and confidence she always had, was lying there. Eyes shut. With those breathing tubes. She had her hair up in a bun. Um, we visited two days before her death. Um, even though she technically was considered dead. Um, but... She had her hair in a bun, Star Wars t-shirt on, and she was just laying there with, you know, her pillow, stuffed animals, blankets, and that was another thing I liked a lot, is that they tried making the room not look so grim, and hospital-like. Like, yeah, there was the hospital equipment in there, but they tried to make it as, like, as happy as possible, and I think that just made the whole thing better for me, um, and not so sad. And we walked in, and Barb was just thrilled to see us. She was like, I'm so glad you made it. And she, you know, talked to my mom. She hugged me. She talked to my mom. And I remember my mom saying, oh, no, you're, you're going to, you're telling her that. I'm not, no. You're telling her that. I'm not telling her that. And I, I was confused. And... I walked in there very confident in being like, you know, this is going to be great when Molly wakes up and sees the bear we got her. And this is, you know, this is going to be great. She's, everything's going to go back to normal. And, you know, you know, Barb hugged me again and we were really close. And she told me in my ear, she goes, you know Molly isn't going to wake up, right? I remember I, I was told that my face went grayish green. And I just remember, just felt like half of me just absolutely left my body. Like... I, that is what it felt like. And I remember I heard, oh, get, like, 
get a chair for her to sit down in. And I remember I was in the chair and I was like, just, I was about to pass out. And nope, I woke up and I threw up everywhere. And I remember, I remember Barb thinking that was the coolest thing ever because I wasn't the only one that threw up in the hospital room. But I, it, it did, it felt like half of me left my body. And it was just, and after that, I was just cold and pale and it was bad and I got a picture with Barb myself and Molly and I still have that picture it's a beautiful picture um, and um, it got late, and I had to say goodbye. I don't remember what I said. But I remember my voice was just quivering. Like a scared, scared little dog. And... You know, Kenny was like, touch, touch her hand, hold her hand, you know, but it was, it just, I couldn't process it. And that makes sense because I was, shit, I was in seventh grade. I was 12. I'd never experienced death right in front of me. Sure, I dealt with my aunt passing away in a tragic car accident, but it was not in front of my face. This was my first ever best friend in a hospital bed, her deathbed, essentially. And I was told, yeah, here, hold her hand and say your final goodbyes. And I didn't know what to say because I never knew that I would have to say goodbye to my best friend forever. And her hand was just... It was like warm and cold at the same time. It's like when you have... <laughs> Sorry. Um... This just, I knew this would be really hard for me, but I always talk about it. But it's like, it was warm but cold, and I felt wrong for holding it. And when I say warm but cold, it's like when you have the shower water on right in the middle, and it's not, it's not cold, and it's not warm, it's like this weird in between and that's that's exactly what it felt like and I remember leaving 
and I said, you know, Mom, we're gonna we're gonna come back again, right? You know, I want to see her again. She's gonna wake up. And we never went back again. And I kept saying that she was gonna wake up. And I told my grandma on my dad's side of the family, my grandma Howard. I said, yeah, Molly's in the hospital. Like, can you please, you know, and she was, you know, my grandma's religious as ever. And so she puts in prayers every single night. So she prayed for Molly. And I, I, I was in so much denial that she wouldn't wake up. As much as I wanted to believe Barb, I couldn't because I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to accept it. And I don't think anyone wanted to accept it. And I kept saying, she's going to wake up. It's fine. She's going to wake up. And that day, I remember when she passed away, Barb posted it on Facebook and let everyone know. Instead of making a thousand phone calls. Um... She reposts it every year. Um, she passed away at noon. My mom and I and my grandmother were at an alpaca farm. Because I'm obsessed with those fucking animals. I don't know why. Like, I think they were like llamas too. I don't remember. But we did anything that had to do with freaking alpacas or llamas or sheep or any farm life. But I liked alpacas in particular. Um, but I remember we were there, and my mom told me, she goes, Molly passed away today. And I didn't, I, I remember getting mad at her. I remember being mad at my mom. And obviously I was upset. And I think it was even harder because... Of the way people were treating it. People that... The people are so fucked. We had a girl named Natalie that passed away in sixth grade. And people used the excuse of, I can't get through this school day. And they left. They did the same fucking thing with Molly. I get the people that knew her, that left. I fully understand that. Because I, I remember they announced it over the intercom. And I was sitting in my language arts class. And we were reading. Doing independent reading. And they announced it. I remember I sat there. Blank ass stare. Tears forming in my eyes. And I was just rattling like absolutely rattling and I remember my teacher I also forget her name she was a really great teacher um she came up to me and she asked if I was okay and I didn't give her a response because I knew if I said anything that would be the moment all the tears would burst out but I remember I was silently crying in that class. Just 
tears falling down my cheeks. And it's just hard. And what was even harder is Brady and I. We were sitting there before class. And Brady was upset. And I said, Brady, why are you so upset? And I said, you hardly knew her. Brady's an emotional guy. So I probably should have shut the fuck up. But I was also taking out everything on other people. Because I was like, well... You didn't know her as much as I did, so therefore you have no place to cry. Because I didn't want to accept the fact that I was just so, so, like, in denial that this happened. And there were things, like, we would meet up for Molly and everything. We had that Molly Be the Musical. That was really great. That was amazing. But I remember Molly's last concert. And this is this is where I really had a hard time grieving. Barb plays Molly's violin next to me. Not anyone else. Everyone in my orchestra class at the time had looked at me weird. And the 8th grade orchestra talked so much shit about me. I could hear every fucking word they were saying. Who even is she? She didn't know her. That was a trend. Because no one knew who I really was. They may have known my name. I was only 12 and I was getting told that I didn't know my own best friend and that's what made the grieving 10 times harder for me. And I remember every single one of those fuckers who had said that. And I would, I avoided them so much and I gave them the dirtiest looks I have ever given in my life. And it was hard because after that, Barb left crying. And just things, when we would gather, we gathered again at Runlet in the winter. And... She's like, oh, and there's Skylar, Molly's first ever best friend. And I got so many dirty glares from these fucking kids that I would go to school with. And I went home crying. I felt uncomfortable to be there because I didn't know Molly's last few years even though I was still a great impact on her life. Sorry, I never got high school with her as much as we both wanted to.
and I really hate crying in front of people, but like I said, it's really hard for me to talk about, and every time we come to remember Bali, it's like, I regret all those years not talking to her, and I feel like this horrible person for it, and I always, I always try and reflect, and I go, why did we split? Why did I decide to never talk to her again? And I just hated it, and I, I blamed myself, and I... Like I said, you never realize how important someone is until they're gone. And I just, I get upset about it every single fucking day. And I beat myself up for it. And, you know, the other part of me is saying it's not your fault. No one knew this was going to happen. But 75% of me is going, yeah, well, fuck you. Like, you're an asshole. You stopped talking to her. You considered her your best friend. She was your first ever best friend and you ditched her. But I have to live with that now. And that's never going to change. But in the end, she's here as my best friend spiritually. And I now have been gifted her shirt. Um, and in 2019, I was gifted her pink filing. Um, same exact one that was sitting next to me at her last concert in seventh grade. And I play that at every concert. And I remember the first time I played it. It was, I started sobbing afterwards, and everyone knew that, every one of my friends knew that it was really hard for me. But I did it. I went through the motions, and I'm here. And yesterday, I made a Facebook post. Um, and I'm going to read it. Um, This was yesterday. I said, tomorrow brings another year of my best friend not being here. And this is all true here. If I ever went back in time and told my first grade self that this would happen and that Molly and I would only be BFFs forever in spirit, she would never believe me. It's hard visiting her sometimes because it never out of 
much out of just about six years Molly has been gone. It has never felt real to me. I always look back on this picture of my last moments with her, which was the picture of her in the hospital. And I get really confused because I can never wrap my head around it, yet I remember everything that happened that night at the hospital when I saw her laying there. I wish I could turn back time and fix everything and tell all those shitty nurses and doctors in Concord that they're going to seriously make the worst mistake of their lives by not taking care of our Molly. But now this has made us stronger people, and especially has turned your mother into the most badass person on this planet. Not a day goes by without thinking about you, my dear Karen. And that is what I wrote yesterday. And it's true. If I did turn back time and told my first grade self that this happened, she'd never believe me. In a million years. Never. She'd call me crazy. Wrapping up, I would just like to say a big thank you if you have made it this far. Hearing me cry a little bit, um, and hearing my perspective on Molly's death. And I would like to rehash things I did this past week on Molly's death week. And Molly had this one quote that is on her gravestone. Um, if you're willing to listen, like you have the entire podcast. Um, Molly made this quote. Do you think you have a purpose? If so, what? I think mine is to make people happy. Does that make you happy? Yes. Purpose fulfilled. Clearly, Molly was all about making people happy. She did the most for everyone. So, this past week, I did what she would have wanted to do. I bought my mom smoothies and a pair of miniature schnauzer socks. Because we own one. So, she was obsessed with it. Um, paid for people's coffees at the Aroma Joe's line. Um compliments to random strangers when they just weren't expecting it and leaving tips for drive-through people and everything because it's spreading happiness and it's giving back
and that's what she would have wanted. And I'm wearing pink today because that is what we do. Molly's birthday, we wear pink. Molly's death day, we wear pink. And if there's any more questions or anything that you have after listening to this, please reach out to me. Because I'm willing to answer. And if you want to know more about Molly in general, I strongly recommend you listen to her mother's podcast, Barb's um, podcast. Um, It's called A Thousand Tiny Steps. And it talks about Molly, and it talks about, obviously, Barb, and it talks about um, newest addition to the family, Jack-Jack. He's the cutest little stinking baby ever. Um, but she has a whole season on, uh, Molly. So, I would give it a very good listen if you're interested in Molly. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and Barb has a Facebook, and Barb has a Instagram, um, so just look up Barb Higgins on Facebook, and you'll definitely be able to tell that it's her. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I am extremely grateful if you listen to this. Like, I, I'm being serious when I say that. And I hope everyone realizes that giving back isn't so bad. And you never know when your last day is up. So don't be miserable. Be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this special episode. And I hope you guys have a great day night, year, month, week, whatever, life, and thank you.